Hello, everyone. I'm Terry David Mulligan, and this is Tasting Room Radio. We have one special guest on this show this week. His name is Brad Royale. I met him, I sat beside him, actually, at the Judgment of B.C., the last Judgment of B.C. that was held a couple of years ago, and got to know him and said to myself, remember who this guy is, go find him. Well, he's in Calgary. Brad Royale is not only a a judge, and of course, is on the judging panel for National Wine Awards. He is Kitten's Wish, um, a micro-negotiant company. I'll explain. He'll explain. He works with small quantities of wine from estate producers. They make the wine. He makes the blend from their stock and bottle at the winery under the Kitten's Wish label. Uh, He imports to B.C. and Alberta. He's going to talk about the piquette they made with Reese Pender, Master of Wine, at Little Farm. But he's bottled wines from Hungary with John Zabo, USA, Spain, Germany, France, B.C. He wants to make a wine from the island next. He designs the label artwork. Very different, very different labels. Kittenswish.com is the website. And we're going to talk about a lot of things, friends. We're going to talk about what he's been drinking lately and uh, what his wine of the year was, B.C. wine of the year, all sorts of things, lots of stories. His name is Brad Royale. And uh, I hope you enjoy this because this was fun to do for you. There's a video version of this interview, and we're going to post that as well. Here we go. It's the Brad Royale Show. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Hillside Winery on the Naramata Bench. Here's some important information. The Tasting Room and Wine Shop are closed for the season. Wine sales are available Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And speaking of wine sales... On the website, check out the 2016 Mosaic, the 2019 Syrah, and Pinot Noir. Oh, and take a look at the Merlots. And my favorite, the 2019 Founders Block, Gamay Noir. The Bistro is closed for the season and reopening spring of 2023. All the details can be found at hillsidewinery.ca. I'm Terry David Mulligan, and this is uh, Tasting Room Radio. Sitting in a, like, like a garden of green... Uh, and I know he's not anywhere near a jungle, is Brad Royale, who uh, is a sommelier. He's the, the man behind Kitten Swish. We're going to talk about all of that. We'll explain all of that. I'll hope he will. I'll just <laughs> prod from time to time. Uh, where have I found you? What what room are you in and where? Uh, good morning, Terry. Nice to be here. Thank you. Uh, I am in my dining room, I guess. Yeah, surrounded by what I like to call like a little jungle. It's a little little green oasis in what today in Calgary is a very uh, gray, snowy, cold winter day. So it's a little little getaway in here, I guess. It's good. Why Calgary? Uh, the wine market in Calgary is awesome. Uh, always has been really good. Uh, it's a great place if you like wine for all, all sorts of reasons, really. Uh, it's a private market. There's a nice wholesale market if you work in the industry and lots of access. Uh, most important. And uh, and frankly, and I'll tell audience uh, that some of the wines that we're going to talk about, maybe almost all of them, may not be available at your corner wine market. As a matter of fact, you can almost guarantee you'll have to go <laughs> looking and, and develop an, a relationship with Brad and the people that he does business with. And, um, and, and I don't mean to piss anybody off because that's sometimes I get emails back saying, well, if I can't buy it, why are you telling me about it? However, at least you're going to know about these wines when we get done. The first time that I actually physically met you was at the judgment of BC. The last one. Yeah. It was a great room. It was fantastic. And we all realized it was the last time we were going to be meeting like that. 
just uh, give us the, the quick bio about you. We'll start with wine judging. What else are you doing? Yeah, I uh, I moved to Calgary a long time. I was born here and I grew up in Saskatoon. Then I moved back to Calgary for school. Uh, I was at one point going to become a famous architect for a little while, uh, but it was it was boring. Uh, but at the same time, though, I was working at Eau Claire Wine Market in Calgary. A little bit of wine time retail, a little bit of school during the day, wine on the weekends, uh, school during the week. Yep. And I ended up spending like all my time on wine. I spent all my tuition money on wine, all my time on wine, and then realized I, I loved wine. It was the best. So I discovered really early, and I was like 21, I guess, at this time. So I discovered really early on that I really, really, really loved wine. Um, and they worked retail. And then I took the International Sommelier uh, Guild Diploma and then the WSET Diploma. Spent some time with the Quartermasters, taking their courses uh, as well over the years. I uh, just absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, and then started uh, working in restaurants as a sommelier and retail as a buyer over the years. And then eventually met Tony Gismondi and David Larison. Uh, at the time, worked at Wine Access and became part of their judging crew for the Canadian National Wine Awards. Uh, yeah, and I've worked in wine ever since. I love it. And you were blessed with the fact that um, you could, with your nose and your palate, find the flinty stuff, find the, the, uh, the secrets between the, uh, the seeds, so to speak. Yeah, it's it's always a great puzzle when you open up a bottle of wine and, and pour a glass because it there's a story in there. Like it tells you a story. It could be uh, a very short story, uh, could be a, a very long story and a very drawn out story. But your your idea is to find that in it. And if you if you listen, you, you can hear it, and it, it'll eventually tell it to you. Uh, the uh, uh, and the story that actually not only in the bottle, but the story about the bottle, about the label, about the persons who made this, who grew it and made it and with their passion. Um, do you believe that you can tell the character of the winemaker from the wine? Yeah, yeah. You know, wine is so transparent that way. <laughs> you, 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 if they really want you to find it and to see it, and if it's important to them and if it's the way the winery works, yes. You totally can. It depends where that winemaker works. Sometimes you don't, you don't honestly get that true story sometimes. But if they want it to be shared with you, yeah, of course you can. Absolutely. Wine has that amazing transparency quality to it. It's almost too revealing sometimes. I'm, I'm sure probably a lot of winemakers would prefer it to be a little bit more opaque uh, sometimes. I promise, audience, that we will talk about wines, guaranteed. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and frankly, uh, if you make make your notes if you want, but uh, if you go to uh, tastywimradio.com at mulliganstew.ca, you'll see the wines that we talk about. They're, they're on that page, and we give you links to the, them as well. Um, there came a fulcrum then in your life where you were studying wine, passionate about wine, wanted to know more about wine. All of a sudden, you went, I'd like to make wine. Now, it's easy to just throw that idea off. It doesn't cost you anything. It's a freebie. You can play with it. But when did it start to tip in the right direction? Yeah, it living in Calgary uh, doesn't allow you a lot of access to making wine yeah. for sure. 
But you know, if you, if you study wine historically, uh, the wine world wasn't looking exactly like it does today at all, at all, actually, really. We didn't see estate producers where you owned a winery, owned land, farmed it, made the wine, designed a label, and you sold it yourself. Sure. That was all divided into increments. There was like six different companies that did that. So I went back and I'm like, well, well I'll just form a negotiant company and go back you know, to the way it was before estate bottling and get into to partnerships with people. And I realized that I could form partnerships with people, they would make the wine, and then I can design the story around their story and include myself in that story. And then I bring that wine to market. Okay, so, and we'll get to that. Uh, I, just a quick aside, uh, when I first heard the word negotiant, it was not in a kind and gentle way. <laughs> And I thought, no. what is this? Who's this bad uh, cowboy they just rode into town? Who, um, they were talking about Napa, Sonoma, and um, I came to, <laughs> I came to realize that it was a, a tenuous uh, space in the place, where you could be seen as riding to somebody's, a rescue, or, or the bad guy coming in to stir up trouble. What what happened with the word negotiant lately? Yeah, well, as as the state bonding became more and more popular, and the reason why it became more and more popular was because negotiants were being bad, bad people, and were taking products that were good and adulterizing them and changing them and stretching them and, and, and you know, money, really, right, is what they wanted was money. So they did what they could to get it. So negotiants really took a, a negative context out of there because they were screwing up great product for profit. And so the estate bottling became the way to to get rid of the negotiant. And so that's that that really kind of takes place in the, the, the early 20th century, like 20s, 30s. And then we, we see the rise of estate bottling come around. And then so the context that we get taught about is negotiants are, are terrible. <laughs> you know, and, and they're, they're historically they're not. They were a very useful, practical part of the business cog. Uh, in a sense to it. And if we, if we look at estates now, like for example, Maison Lerois is a, an excellent negotiant and a, and a ferociously expensive one now too, where they they buy amazing wine and they sell it under their own label and they do a great job at it. And you see a bit more of it nowadays coming around with the, the cost of land, cost of grapes uh, being so expensive to get into the wine business can be a bit tricky uh, financially. So you're seeing a bit more of a rise of this negotiant uh, come back into play on a very small level, what I like to call a micro-negotiant, the smallest of sorts. There is one one label we can find pretty well if we go looking, and that's Three Thieves. Yeah. Right? In, in Napa, Sonoma? Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. Right. I can't uh, remember what that was. Taylor's, Taylor's Refresher. Taylor's Refresher, yeah, which now it gots. Yeah, that's right. So. Yeah. What what they did was they on the, on the label said this is what we do we are we take other people's wines that sometimes they can't sell or they need some cash or we could take it off their hands because they have too much, whatever and we take that and we blend it into what we believe to be uh, as good as if not better than what we bought and they have the chops to do it so it's working for them three thieves yeah oh exactly for sure I think a lot of people would be surprised how much wine they consume that would fall under the brand negotiate style, where the, the brand hasn't made the wine, they just purchased it, reworked it into their brand story, and then put it up to market. Like there's a, a, a pile of it. On the lower end of things, obviously, if you're drinking salad in Canada, 
that's kind of the, the bottom rung of, of negotiable oil, but all of that stuff is for sure. Uh, but then as you move up into that, that quality tier, you know, it, Maison La Wall would probably be the most expensive version of that. But everything in the middle, in particular California, you see piles of it. Uh, absolutely positive. They call it, uh, you know, uh, fantasy labels is a nice way of putting it. It's the same business, negotiable or fantasy label, all the same. Uh, Joel Gott, Three Thieves. That's the guy from Taylor's Refresher that he sold. And with that money, I think he, he started the, the, the Three Thieves label. He got he partnered with two other guys who really knew their wines, and they would buy uh, negotiated wines and uh, take them in and take all that raw wine and turn it into a beautiful blend. Anyway, it was it was successful. Let's put it that way. Not everybody agreed that it was great wine, but he's really successful. So that's modern day negotiation. Absolutely, absolutely. I think I think if, if a lot of people knew what they were drinking and and really who made it yes. and what it was labeled under, I think a lot of people would be very surprised about how much of their product is actually negotiable style wine or you know often it's referred to as kind of fantasy label wine sometimes nowadays is a new term but uh, loads of it is piles and piles of it is absolutely we look at um salad in canada that would all be negotiable stuff kind of at the very bottom rung of of, of quality you know so to speak um uh, value but but low and then all the way up through three thieves to uh, you know, again, to Maison Noir, that would be the, you know, the, the most highest acclaim, but again, all negotiable and stuff. There's piles of it in the marketplace. It never really left, really. It just, you know, kind of got a little bit sub rosa for a while and then, you know, popped its head back out again when okay. it became a bit cheek. Brad Royale uh, is with me, uh, and I, we've, been, we've been negotiating this conversation since <laughs> Judgment of BC two years ago. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk wines uh, and we're going to answer the big question current state of taste. Is, is one of the things I want to ask him about. This is uh, Tasting Room Radio. I'm Terry David Mulligan. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Hillside Winery on the Naramata Bench. Here's some important information. The Tasting Room and Wine Shop are closed for the season. Wine sales are available Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And speaking of wine sales, on the website, check out the 2016 Mosaic, the 2019 Syrah and Pinot Noir. Oh, and take a look at the Merlots. And my favorite, the 2019 Founders Block Gamay Noir. The Bistro is closed for the season and reopening spring of 2023. All the details can be found at hillsidewinery.ca. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Moon Cursor in Asoyas. Here's their winter white wine pick. Yes, a winter white. The 2021 Roussan Marsan, awarded 93 points by John Schreiner. A classic Rhone Valley combination of Roussan and Marsan, floral and citrus notes, a kiss of oak, spice, baked apple, toasty brioche notes in the mouth, a lovely white wine to sip on while curled up in a cozy couch with a blanket. The Marsan Roussan, now available for limited time in BC liquor stores in their Made in BC feature. You can find all the details at mooncursor.com. Welcome back, Tasty Room Radio. Terry David Mulligan, Brad Royale is, uh, has joined me, sommelier. Uh, he is the man behind Kitten Swish. If you see the label, well, you'll notice it. First of all, his labels are all different. Anything that he comes near in terms of art is going to be very different than what you see on either side of it or the hundreds of other labels that you see on either side of it, which is really cool, which attracts me and people like you. I'll, we'll yeah. talk about Kitten Swish in just a second, but you talk about I'll make a blend and you adapt or you head for the current state of taste, which is like mm-hmm. talking about the last scene in The Sopranos. Everybody has an opinion. <laughs> 
yeah. What is because because the current state of taste changes. It does a lot. Uh, where are we today here, twenty twenty two? Pretty interesting time, Terry, for the state of taste. Really, a lot of uh, a lot of movement in in taste. Really, if we if we move back just a little, a little ways, we look back through say that quick snapshot past twenty years. If we go back twenty years or so, we would have saw. Uh, big, rich, intense, structured wine, 16% Aussie Shiraz was all the rave, sure. uh, big, buttery California bomb, Chardonnay was was the tipple that everyone had in their glass at the time. <clears throat> Eventually, people got a little bit tired of, of the girth of the, the massive massiveness of those wines. We see Shiraz in that example kind of fall off, right? We see what takes its place, lighter, fresher, brighter, juicier Malbec, right? In that comes its place. So we see that rise there. And that rise of Malbec is pretty interesting and pretty telling because this is the age of acid. This is where we move from talking about tannins and alcohol yep. to acid content. This is also the same time that the wine world begins to move around Beaujolais and discovering the, the joyous nature of Gamay, which is pretty fun. Also that coupled with the ferociously terrible pricing of burgundy nowadays, but we see the rise of acid where people are beginning to enjoy that expression of, of saliva and that juicy quality to it. That's where we've been over the past few years up until essentially the pandemic hit. Pandemic really changed everything. And maybe one of the silver linings of this for the better, which is the best. When everybody had to stay home, they started drinking wine at home. And if they were used to spending a certain amount of money in restaurants, now, for example, the typical buy in a restaurant is anywhere from 65 to 125. That's the hot zone on any wine list. Now, if you're typically drinking that in a, in a restaurant, that correlates to a much lower price retail. Now, since you didn't have access to restaurants, you still had the cash. So now you're drinking 65 to 125 restaurant pricing, sorry, retail pricing. Retail pricing means you're drinking $300 bottles of wine at home. And in some cases, in some cases, by the case. And you're drinking it by the case. That's one thing. So one, now you're drinking way more expensive wine at home. Okay. Number one. Number two, you're bored. And if you have to drink another bottle of your go-to wine, you might throw up. Yeah. So now you're taking advantage of the wine store's dozen bottle offers, wine of the month clubs, wine of the week clubs. Also, it's home delivery for free. Yeah. Now you don't have to go anywhere. So now you're exploring all of these different wines. You're also spending a lot more money on it. So what happens is two years later, you come out of this with a way better palate. You appreciate finer structures. You appreciate finer aromatic qualities. You are in tune a lot more with wine. And as such now, we've emerged with a much better, higher quality palate for the general consumer. And it's palpable and noticeable in restaurants, for sure. I used to uh, uh, make a habit, not every Friday, but once a month, I would stand behind the uh, cash registers at my local wine shop and watch, the, watch what they were buying. I wanted to know what was going on in the market. It was horribly depressing, and I stopped doing it. I just couldn't watch people <laughs> buy bulk crap. Yeah. Uh, and, be, and and congratulate themselves for having saved 20, 30 bucks, whatever. 
if if it was price point that you were buying because you didn't have the dough, fine. If it was price point you were buying, you had the dough and you still wanted that box of wine, I I just had to stop. I kept I kept thinking, who am I talking to? Who's who's this? Who's the Canadian wine? That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother man. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me going. Uh, here's what I want to talk about. Kitten swish. How many kitten swishes are there? I went to the website. I mean, I can see once a year there's a how how many do you want to release per year and what did you do in 2022? We did so we did so kind of two questions in this. We would typically do one to two releases kind of on average per year with kitten swish. Sure. Um, we've done as many as four or five and we've released 31 projects so far. Yeah. 31 projects from uh, BC to Sonoma to Hungary, France, Spain, Germany. Kitswish really is a, I like to call it, it's a global negotiant, really, Terry. <laughs> and, and off the top of your head, just some of the titles of those wines, just so people understand. Yeah. Uh, some of my favorites are For When Medication is Required. Yes. Um, things I Thought About Yesterday. Yes. I thought particularly apropos was we released Riesling right at the kind of the mid part of pandemic. And that was titled It's Been Friday for a While. Yeah, I like that. Which I quite love yes. because, you know, it seemed like there was a lot of Friday nights in my pandemic. <laughs> and, and the art to go with is yours? Yes. Well, yeah, well I designed all the labels. It's part of the reason why I started Kitten Swish in the first place was knowing I would I started traveling quite a bit in the early 2000s to wine regions and I would taste great wine that had really crappy labels to it and there was no story that went along with it and working a lot in retail I know that as a as a consumer when you're in a retail shop you eat to taste with your eyes first it, and engagement foremost. it's engagement it's all about engagement right and if they're gonna if they're gonna buy the bottle you know the models they have to death if they pick it up chances are they're going to buy it. If it's in the price range you're looking for, if they pick it up, boom, you've, you've sold that bottle of wine for sure. So you want something that catches your attention and you want that story to be right there in front of you. And you also want that story to be tied into the wine. Yeah. So when you taste the wine and you look at the bottle, you're like, yeah, okay, cool. I, I get it. There's a, there's a, a resemblance here between those two. Then you get to tell the story when you open it for your friends. If, yeah. If you still yeah, exactly. have friends. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Mooncursor in Asoyus. Here's their winter white wine pick. Yes, a winter white. The 2021 Rue Saint-Marsan, awarded 93 points by John Schreiner. A classic Rhone Valley combination of Rue Saint and Marsan, floral and citrus notes, a kiss of oak, spice, baked apple, toasty brioche notes in the mouth, a lovely white wine to sip on while curled up in a cozy couch with a blanket. The Marsan Roussan, now available for limited time in BC liquor stores in their Made in BC feature. You can find all the details at mooncursor.com. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Unsworth Vineyards in the Cowichan Valley. There's a new chef at the Unsworth Bistro. He's Dan Bain. Come and meet the chef and his culinary talents. And at the same time, you might want to shop for some bubble Charme de Lille and Charme de Lille Rosé is available in the tasting room. And if you're gifting over the next little while, consider picking up an Unsworth gift card that can be used at the restaurant, the tasting room, and the wine shop. They're convenient, and best of all, they're reloadable. 
You can find all the details at unsworthvineyards.com. Welcome back, Tasty Grim Radio. Terry David Mulligan, Brad Royale is, uh, has joined me, sommelier. Uh, he is the man behind Kitten Swish. You know, this <laughs> subtext to your uh, uh, Kitten Swish is, it's for your mouth, right? That's a good hook line. Uh, yeah. Uh, the other one that caught my eye a long while ago was uh, Charles Smith. Uh, and his line was, it's just wine, drink it. Yeah. Which worked for him. Worked yeah. for him, right? It was all getting too fancy. All the Washington State wines were getting all too... He just said, it's wine, drink it, for God's sake. Stop worrying about it. How how are we going to find, how best to find a kitten swish, first of all? I, uh, I'll just I'll comment on the tagline because it, it's a funny story, I think. So it, okay. it's for your mouth because it's so direct, right? Like where else are you going to put wine, right? Like it's, it's for your mouth, you know, it has to go in there. But that idea came about, I, need, I needed a tagline for a swish, like something that people would kind of remember that little hook right in there. And I always remember unpacking stereo equipment. <laughs> so you unpack like a pair of speakers and there's this weird little like, you know, packets in there. And the packets are designed to keep up moisture, obviously, right. but they always say, do not eat. <laughs> I'm like, well, who, like, who's going to, who's going to think that Sony sent them a snack with their speakers? You know, oh, here, you must be hungry. You've been unpacking all day. Here, have a snack. No, I, but somebody had to eat it. Somebody had to eat it for them to put on do not eat. So I just thought that was just so ridiculous. So I thought in the back of a wine label, it's for your mouth. It was kind of equally as ridiculous, um, but, but, but pretty fun at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody would, especially if it were a child. You got to watch that. Um, you do. So the current, the current kitten yes. swish. What's the current one? The last release that we had was with uh, a project with Reese Pender, uh, who's a master of yes. wine. And little farm. Owns, uh, At little know, farm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. A little farm. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. He didn't have a lot of juice. How'd you get the juice off of him? Well, so this is where this is this is where the magic story like begins, really, right? Because his his little farm is actually legit little. It's like five acres yep. right behind a house. Yep. There's a beautiful little mulberry tree in there, the mulberry vineyard. Similkami, perfect spot. Oh, it's, it's mind blowing for anybody listening right now who goes to the Okanagan and you've never been in Similkami. Go to the Similkami. It is mind blowingly beautiful. It's and and go for like produce, right? Go during the growing season. It's almost all organic. Uh, and it, it's it's beautiful and it's quiet. Uh, it's it's mind blowing. If you've yeah. never been, you have to go. You and great up. and great vineyards. Great vineyards, great vineyards, great wine. A great little restaurant there. Row fourteen is is really yeah. a great shout out to them. But have so, a burger. So, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, and the bread and the bread. Um, so right, so Reese has no like no spare wine at all, and it really fluctuates in the Samoan Valley. Like it's up and down, up and down. So I wanted to go, so I was working harvest out there in, in 2020 and I wanted to make some piquette. And essentially what piquette is, is, is you, you press a bunch of grape skins, uh, the juice goes to wine. Yeah. Typically the grape skins would go to compost of sorts, but there's still lots of flavor. There's a little bit of sugar left in there. There's lots of character left in this. Um, if you think a great way to describe piquette is like making tea. Yeah. So with tea, you take dried leaves, and you take hot water, right? And you end up with tea in about five minutes. Piquette is you take wet grape skins and you add water and ambient yeast. And that creates your steeping process. And about two weeks later, 
you have an alcoholic beverage. Sure. Same thing. It's just steeping, essentially. Was Piquet also uh, what the workers drank uh, in Europe? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Historically, it's been a way of extending a harvest, of yeah. utilizing everything, right? Sure. You know, that complete kind of farm to table uh, environment of why would I waste this when I can make something out of it for the farm? I was astonished to discover that the uh, the wine growers in um, in uh, Guadalupe Valley outside of Ensenada used their, their skins uh, to keep the dust down in the roads. Oh, amazing. I mean, it worked, but it's still skins. It's still, I couldn't quite figure that one out. And that's how they yeah. paved their roads. Um, <laughs> so, so, the, so the Piquet worked well? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, so we were, we were I was working harvest with, um, with Ali Shan, so Reese's partner in Little Farm there, and and Reese, and we had just crushed a couple of bins of Chardonnay, and I was like, have you ever thought about making piquet? And Reese was like, I don't know much about it. So I started telling him a little bit about it while I grab a hose. So I reached out and grab a garden hose, you know, and I turn it on, and I just start filling up this this press bin of Chardonnay while I'm telling him, you know, what, what piquet is all about. And so we're talking about it, and he's like, yeah, okay, this could work. And then by the time we were done talking, it was filled with water. We had made piquet during the course of the conversation. So it, it was amazing. How, long, how long does it have to sit on skins? We let it sit for two weeks. Okay. So we added one bin of pressed one week, and then he harvested again okay. a week later. So we added one more to it um, and then pressed it and then let it sit overnight and then pressed it again. Good and, eye, good idea. Thank you. Way to go. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, you have bottled wines from Hungary with John Sabo? Yeah, that's right. USA, yeah. Spain, Germany, we're serving France, uh, British Columbia. Uh, I want to make a wine from the island next year. That's right. So who do you have your eye on? Anyone in particular? Yes. Yeah, someone very particular, but I can't say, though. Oh, yes, of course you can't. You're a negotiator. Right yeah, but, but the island, so I took my first tour through the island uh, this past summer through August. Yeah. And my mind was blown. There's so much great viticultural area. There's so much great viticultural, like, vines. There's a, a nice bit of diversity in that area of vines we don't see anywhere else. And it's going to get more and more rare to find these stuff like uh, Ortega, for example, is a, is a great example of, of lots of vineyards okay. out there. You don't find anywhere else. And it's beautiful land. I have ideas out there that I want to explore. When we come back, uh, we're, uh, Brett, you didn't know that you're almost going to be the whole, entire show. Yeah, even I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> uh, when we come back, Brad Royale is going to take us through uh, tomato wheels. Have you heard of that yeah. one? Uh, and then what he's been crushing lately. We're finally getting down to the nitty-gritty, friends. This is Tasting Room Radio. I'm Terry David Mulligan. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Unsworth Vineyards in the Cowichan Valley. There's a new chef at the Unsworth Bistro. He's Dan Bain. Come and meet the chef and his culinary talents. And at the same time, you might want to shop for some bubble. Charme de Lille and Charme de Lille Rosé is available in the Tasting Room. And if you're gifting over the next little while. Consider picking up an Unsworth gift card that can be used at the restaurant, the tasting room, and the wine shop. They're convenient, and best of all, they're reloadable. You can find all the details at unsworthvineyards.com. He is Brad Royale. We only have uh, nine minutes left in which to talk to him about everything else that he's been doing. He's a busy guy. He's a sommelier. He's a, a kitten swish, the leader, the flag waver. But here's the thing. He's been working with um, a label called Tomato Wheels. There's another name for you. Uh, by the way, uh, you're, and you're making uh, 
a Lambrusco. Um, yeah. The label, is it your label? No, no. The label is from an Alberta artist. Uh, her name is Lee that makes it for sure. And the, and, uh, and the, the, the writing on the neck of the woman, uh, I didn't get to turn my thing. What does it say on the neck? <laughs> you know, I don't know if, if I've actually even read that, really. Okay. I know I, I like the label. The label's okay. quite striking. I like it. Um, I don't know if I've ever actually read it. I should check that out, though. It just So for everybody listening, for wines to buy right now, yeah. Tomato, Wheels, Labrusco just got re-released into Alberta. And there's a pile of it. So you'll be able to pick that up right now available. It's in a pile of retail stores in Alberta. I don't know if Murray is put that through to British Columbia yet, but, um, you know, maybe a little, little phone call to an Alberta, Alberta winery to maybe get some. Moray Choquette? Yeah, Moray Choquette. Okay. So she now, is the... you, you mentioned that she's uh, based in Vancouver, but, but I've seen uh, articles about her um, and it says she's Alberta based in Edmonton. Exactly. Yeah. So she's from Edmonton. She resides right now in Vancouver. Okay. So she launched tomato wheels as a, a culinary business um, with like, uh, you know, spoons and tea towels and stuff quite a while ago and decided to, to change into wine, decided to bond Lambrusco and found me through an importer, uh, Eric Mercier, who has an import company called Juice, has a podcast out there. I think it's just called Juice. Listen to an interview with me talking about Kit and Swish, yeah. Kit and Swish and eating hot dogs, actually. And <laughs> uh, she, uh, she's like, hey, this could be like a, a person I could use. So she contacted me and then I helped her to design a Lambrusco project, kind of I like Kit and Swish styles of sorts. I can't be friends with people who don't like Lambrusco. I'm sorry. I just, oh, I, I, yeah. I, I, I know, a little harsh. Um, and you can drink it fresh, like literally right out of the trunk. Long as it's yeah. chilled, it's got to be chilled. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, I'm going to go back sure. to Gamay in just a second here, Brad, because um, you said an interesting thing about Gamay. Um, you've been crushing the the Loire. What what have you been yeah. drinking? What have you been drinking? So it's funny how much you you don't know sometimes as a, as a wine buyer until you look at your wine list a little bit later and you realize you're like, wow, I just listed six selections from the Loire Valley. Huh, crazy. Because uh, I just buy and taste as I like throughout the market, and that's what kind of gets listed. But the Loire Valley uh, has been champion for, for a, a long time recently, of course. But more and more now, we see with the wine prices rising throughout the world, the Loire Valley is, I wouldn't say one of the last bastions of amazing value, but it is a giant bastion of amazing value for great prize like Chenin Blanc, Sauvignon Blanc. Cabernet Franc, Pinot Noir, Gamay, all of those bright, juicy, juicy grapes from beautiful little single vineyards that elsewhere would cost hundreds if not thousands of dollars. You can drink for $25. Sure. You can drink for 35 bucks. Wow. Uh, um, just a thought. Um, you have tasted and spent a lot of your time in Alberta, of course, and British Columbia. How different are we in terms of our choices? Between Alberta and BC, yeah, and just you know, you you have greater range there. You have more choices. Yeah, I, I think I, I think quite a bit, really. Um, certainly on the restaurant scale, British Columbia tends to support that local industry sure. quite a bit, and historically, it's been priced better than international stuff. Whereas Alberta has quite a a really lovely price structure to it that really favors international and imports. So Alberta has 
I think to some degree, on a, a basic restaurant level, a bit of a richer international profile, a bit of taste to it. But that being said, though, the BC market is an amazing market. There's so much great stuff. And oftentimes, in a retail setting, better priced than Alberta is now in a lot of ways, ah. which is interesting. A kitten swish in BC. Where's not? That? I know. Currently, but next year, I'm hoping we'll have a nice little release. And how there. do you come into the market? Quietly or raging? Try to be raging, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I try to show up completely on fire and raging, you know. Hi. <laughs> I don't make a lot of noise. <laughs> but it would be select. You can't supply the whole province, but you would find a, a select wine stores. Yeah, BC has a beautiful wine community to it and a beautiful collection of, of sommeliers, wine buyers, uh, and, and retailers. I try to focus the energy through those those people. Kitten Swish wines are, are meant to be enjoyed, for sure. They can sometimes be a bit technical, so we want them to be put through those technical, technical people. Okay. Um, uh, Aubert Chardonnay, you said you were, you've been tasting it. <laughs> and and yeah. it's a recent visit you took to Vegas, but it, it's a California Chardonnay. But is it... What's your favorite uh, shard? Is it Sonoma Coast? Is it Napa? Is it Carneros? Is it uh, uh, Russian River? Is it Rutherford? I'll, I'll name Sonoma. mine right off the top. Anything that from comes from Carneros, I'm going to pay attention to. It's all Sonoma Coast, for sure. The further the coastline, the better. Yeah. And I, I like traveling with a wine goal. You know, if you're going, you know where you're eating or dining. I like looking through the wine list. Aubert is one of those labels that no one can find. No one gets. You can't find it. You can't get on the mailing list. You can't buy it retail. So if you go someplace that have it, then I, I try to drink as much of it as I can. And I did. I, I drank a pile of Aubert Chardonnay while I was down there. <laughs> I drank as much of it as I could. <laughs> it was all research. All research. Um, a Gruner uh, that you described as sick stuff. Yeah, which you can find in BC. So Domaine Vacal is represented in British Columbia. Okay. The one that I've been crushing lately is their Kellerberg Vineyard, which is a legendary site for producing opulent, full, lavish, very rich, very age-worthy style Gruner Veltliner. Not in the light crisp style, but in the, the full-bodied 14% kind of monster, rich style Gruner. Ages really well and really well-priced. I got two minutes with you. Here we go. Um, the uh, Belagus, the Anjou Blanc, uh, they did their plantings in the 11th century. I mean, they've been, they've been doing that for a long time. Long time, long time. And Belagas is, is a recent estate. They, they Joe Pithon, uh, a man, like a legend in the wine industry, got out of it, sold them their vineyards. Now they're making it kind of a bit of a new interpretation. And it's, it's wild. It is wild. I've never had the Wire Valley Shannon like this stuff before. It's crazy. What's your, what's your wine of the year? Uh, it would be the Belagas, the uh, the Rouillère, the Anjou Blanc that they make. Wow. It comes from the Court de Champ vineyard, which is a Grand Cru vineyard. They're historically only designed for sweet wine. But they make it in dry style. It's what's, nuts. Your, what's your Canadian wine of the year? Uh, that would go to. I, it's funny because it's it's a wine that I, I love every year. Really, it's Meyer family's Jack Meyer's McLean Creek Road Chardonnay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the world's best bottles of Chardonnay, hands down. Yeah. And one of Canada's top, always. And it's I love of, what. And it's one of six that he makes. There you go. Uh, and finally, um, what are you drinking New Year's Eve? <laughs> I don't know yet. I'm probably working New Year's Eve, so I'm not sure. There'll be some champagne in there. Probably a bottle of the Pelagas. You just uh, opened a restaurant, and uh, you were part of the opening. 
That's right. Yeah, I work with the Concord Group, a beautiful restaurant group uh, based in Calgary, and they are about to launch Barbarella, which is a, a brand new restaurant right downtown Calgary. You got Major Tom on the 40th floor, and then you got Barbarella on the main floor. Wow, it's beautiful. How do people get a hold of you? You can contact me on Instagram, just Brad Royale, or you know, website Brad at bradroyale.com. Always around. Kitten Swish. Kitten Swish. It is looming. It's going to be on fire in 2023. We'll see. Hope it's a mild wine, and I've got like a little Italian little project I'm working on too. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Jerry. Let's for do having this me. again. Let's do it. this again. Thank you.